What are the keys to thriving through crisis? In this episode with Rich Fetke of the Real Wealth Network, an absolute incredibly experienced investor, we get into some of the important takeaways, some of the important things that you got to do when you're investing, regardless during good times or crisis, and how you can make it through onto the other side in a strong and successful place. You're not going to want to miss it. I'll see you inside. This is the Investor Mindset Podcast, and I'm Steven Pesavento. And for as long as I can remember, I've been obsessed with understanding how we can think better, how we can be better, and how we can do better. And each episode, we explore lessons on motivation and mindset from the most successful real estate investors and entrepreneurs in the nation. All right, guys, welcome back to the Investor Mindset Podcast. I am excited today. We have Rich Fetke in the studio. How are you doing today, Rich? Awesome, man. Great to be here. Well, I'm excited to have you because as you guys probably know, Rich has helped thousands of entrepreneurs improve their business, grow their wealth, and live a more fulfilling lives as a business and personal coach, as well as you've seen him on you know news networks like NPR, Wall Street Journal, and many others. And he is this co-CEO of Real Wealth Network, which since 2003, they've helped over 50,000 members improve their financial intelligence and acquire cash flowing assets so they don't ever have to work again, which is kind of the dream. And honestly, yeah. you're living the dream. You're in Malibu, you surf, you're doing all kinds of adventure sports. You're really focused on building a great life, which is really a core value, I think, here at the Investor Mindset. So if you're ready, we'll just jump right into things. Let's do it. Ready. All right. So... So if we start out by taking a look back at earlier in your life, what events or influences from your childhood shaped who you are today? Oh, man. I mean, when I was eight years old, I was doing so lousy in school that my mom knew something was wrong. And she brought me to Massachusetts General Hospital. I grew up in Boston area. And they tested me to find out what was going on. And I was diagnosed back then, which was so many years ago when I was eight. They diagnosed me as hyperkinetic, which today they would call that ADHD. And so I was put in the classes for learning disabled kids and really started to send this message to myself that I was stupid and I'd never amount to anything. Didn't even graduate with my high school class. I was watching my friends graduate and found out late in my senior year that I wouldn't graduate because I had failed English. And so I just kept putting this program into my head of rich or stupid, you're never going to amount to anything. And it really wasn't until soon after high school, I started to get into weightlifting and became a competitive weightlifter and bodybuilder. That's what really turned things around for me. It was kind of weird. It's like just the process of setting goals, visualizing what I wanted to look like, how strong I wanted to be, all that. And learning systems and structures on how to be focused, that really turned things around for me. And I started to apply those same lessons about being focused, breaking goals down, getting support, all that into my educational goals. I got my degree in business, went on to open a health club when I was 23. And just, it really expanded my whole vision of who I was and who I could become. That's amazing. It's incredible how when we start building habits in the wrong direction, it really starts to kind of act as a snowball effect. You know, at such a young age, learning that you're diagnosed with ADD and then essentially put into classes to make yourself feel like you were stupid, then you started to believe it, even though yeah, you weren't. Right. You had yeah. all this capability, but you just had to learn in a different way, but they didn't know that at the time. And I'm really grateful that, <laughs> that you were able to find this through another medium, 
to find that confidence to be able to go and learn some of these systems and structures and apply it in a totally different field. Awesome. Yeah, it's, it's wild how you can develop a strength in one area and carry it over to another area of your life. It's really powerful. It is super powerful. And so I'm curious if somebody is dealing with that same feeling themselves, like they don't feel like they're good enough or they feel like they're stupid and they're allowing themselves to believe that belief, what would you say to them? How would you kind of coach them through maybe opening up their mind to some other possibility? My favorite way is I call it future focus. So what I used to do, like I coached for about 16 years as a professional coach. And now once the business started to get to the size it was, I stopped coaching people. But when I was coaching people and a program I do for Real Wealth Network every year is called the Focused Investor. I do this thing called future focus. And it's actually taking someone into their future 20 years or 10 years, depending on the time frame or how old they are, whatever it is. But basically having a visit, really tapping into the subconscious mind and doing a closed eye visualization of meeting your future self, meeting you 10 years in the future and getting advice from that person, see what they're doing, their wisdom, where they're living, what they're doing for work, all that stuff. It's amazing how it can expand your belief in who you are. You're like, jumping into this future visualization, talking to your future self, and that future self is going to say, hey, you're not dumb. You're not stupid. You're really smart. And you've got so much capability. And in all of this time, you can be focused in that direction instead of stuck in that anchor that's kind of holding you back. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've coached hundreds of people from housewives to CEOs, very successful people. And every single person I've ever coached has a gremlin. They have a gremlin in their head that tells them all this shitty stuff, you know? And it's like, and we all have it. And it's like, you can't do that, or you're not good at that, or this is where you're weak and everything. And so just noticing it and presencing it and almost pushing that gremlin aside for a moment and meeting your future self, I feel like our future self is the gremlin's worst enemy, <laughs> biggest fear, you know? So it's like, it's that wise mentor that we have in our subconscious mind that's so powerful. Wow, what a cool example. So tell us a little bit what your primary focus is today. What do you do for Real Wealth Network? For Real Wealth Network, I'm a co-CEO with my wife, Kathy Fetke, which I'm sure most of your listeners are aware of and her podcast and everything. It was the first real estate podcast on iTunes actually in 2005, which is, it's a long run. <laughs> but I, I am more of the integrator at the company. So I'm very much about leading our leadership team, looking at systems and structures and processes and focusing on our marketing really at Real Wealth, how to bring the best people to the network. Oh, that's amazing. And what does Real Wealth Network do for those folks who don't know? We are a membership-based organization. Membership is free, and now we have over 50,000 members, and we help people acquire everything from single-family properties around the country to investing in group investments, syndications, larger projects, a lot of development deals, a lot of residential deals. We'll, We'll come in and build a whole subdivision, and we'll raise the funds for that. That's incredible. And did you guys start out doing those big subdivisions, or where'd you start? No, we started doing that in about 2010 after the whole financial, you know, great recession and the crisis and everything and people running out of money. And we had a developer contact us once and say, Hey, we've got these, I found these condos in Portland, Oregon. They are 80% completed or almost 90% completed. And there's an $8 million loan on it and they can't get funding. They can't complete it. So we can come in and we came in and got it for 3 million and rehabbed it with this developer and then turned around and sold those townhomes 
in Portland and did really well, got a, over a 20% return for our investors. So that was a, that was the launch of that. But up until then, it was very much before 2008, we were focused on new builds, single family properties, referring people to those around the country. And then after the whole foreclosure crisis, then we started to work with other teams who were acquiring these turnkey properties or not turnkey properties, they were acquiring really beat up <laughs> properties and turning them around and rehabbing them and putting tenants in place, uh, that model. That's amazing. So you're actually you're actually helping investors who want to get started in real estate go out and find these properties around the country that they can invest in so they can start building that that real wealth. Yeah. Primarily at Real Wealth, what we do is we provide a ton of free education. So we've produced over almost 900 free webinars now since we've been in business, hour-long webinars. We do live events every month that are free in LA and San Mateo, up in San Francisco area. Right now we're doing all those, you know, virtually with this whole coronavirus, you know, challenge. But yeah, so we provide a ton of free education and write a lot of articles, do a lot of research, survey our members. So yeah, we, we help everything from everyone from new investors who are just starting out to a lot of people come to Real Wealth who already have 15, 20 properties and they just want to go to the next level and they want it a little bit more simplified. They don't want to go out and search for the properties themselves or, or vet property teams or any of that. So we do that work for them. Yeah, that makes so much sense. So, you know, in all of that experience and going through some different downturns, I'm I'm sure you've had some big challenges along the way, some failures or some losses. Well, I'd love for you to share one of those stories and kind of talk to me a little bit about kind of what happened and what you learned from it. Yeah, you want uh, real estate specific, probably. Yeah. Okay. Let's see. One of our early syndications, one thing we didn't do was truly vet this developer, this guy was doing, it was a few apartment buildings. And so we sent someone out who used to be one of our employees to, to go and vet this project. And he, he walked through one of the buildings. He looked at a few of the units. Everything looked great. He said, you know, he came back and he's like, yeah, this looks like a good deal. And we didn't really do our due diligence like we do now. We said, now we have like an 80 point due diligence checklist that we go through and everything, but we didn't know that back then. So basically we just relied on this employee's feedback and vetting. And he said, yeah, this is, you know, it looks really good. The rehabs look good and everything. Little did we know that the other buildings were complete mess. This developer said that they were all rehab just like that one, but we didn't know that, that they were not. So we learned the lesson of inspect every single unit <laughs> before, before doing anything like that. So that was really tough. The whole project was plagued with problems. People stealing copper piping, coming in and stealing electrical, stealing appliances and all that. So the biggest lesson from that was to really do your due diligence, walk every single unit, and also do a thorough vetting and background check and, and check references of everything, anyone who you're going to work with. Yeah, that makes so much sense. It's one of those things where you want to trust, you want to believe that everything is, is right. But at the end of the day, you really have to trust, but verify. You really have to dive in on the due diligence front. And so what other ways you guys do due diligence? You know, obviously you're, that's essentially one of the big values that you're adding to people within the network is you're going out and you're finding these, these uh, operators and you're deciding to work with them. What goes into that process kind of from start to finish and deciding that this is an operator that we want to work with and this is a deal that we want to work with? So in other words, you know, how do you actually go and vet a deal and figure out that, hey, this is a good fit for our people? 
Yeah, I mean, it's, so it depends. If, if we have almost like the two areas of the business. There's the syndication side and the group investments, and then the other side is our single-family brokerage, you know, where, where we refer people to buy single-family properties from one to four units. We have someone over there who's amazing. He used to work for one of these turnkey companies for years, and so he knows that business inside and out. So he does the initial vetting. He'll first, you know, do the background check and everything is like phase one. And then if they pass phase one, then he goes out, flies out to the market, walks through the properties, looks at one of the properties that they've just acquired. And then they, he'll look at some of the properties that they're partway through rehab. And then he'll look at completed rehabs to look at that. And then he'll also interview several property managers in that area to find out, you know, are these rents what they would actually rent for, you know, and things like that. So it's really thorough and it even, it even goes beyond that. You know, he just, he really knows it. And then what we do with our, with these property teams is we also bring them together twice a year for a free mastermind. So we bring about 50 people in the room from these different property teams around the country and we do a whole mastermind that is all around best practices. How, how can they better serve our members? How they, can they have better rehabs? How can they have better, better property management? So that's really powerful on that side. And then on the syndication side, actually, we're looking for someone right now to take that to the next level. So we had a, you know, an asset manager and someone running a syndication department who wanted to travel the world and, and do her thing. So now we're looking for an asset manager to do that due diligence process. But in that thing, we've learned a ton as well, as far as I think it's really associating with, you know, just like conferences like you and I have met at and like best ever and everything are always putting our feelers out for talking to other people, what are you doing? How are you doing? And we've kind of collaborated and get the input from other industry leaders on sharing like due diligence checklists and a whole vetting process and everything. So taking all that and then boiling it down into our own system and process that's, you know, that works for us. Yeah. So for the listeners out there who are thinking to themselves, Hey, I need to come up with a great process one of the key takeaways from what Rich is sharing is to go out and find other people who are doing it, to really make sure that you're not on an island if you're out investing, that you're really spending time building relationships with other investors you can share best practices with and really make sure that you're not dropping the ball on something so you don't fall into the same trap that Rich learned from early on in his, his career that we can just avoid altogether by making sure that we're going out and doing the right thing. Yeah, and there's some real big givers in this industry. It's amazing how much people will share and bend over backwards to support each other. And, you know, we do it too. I think one of the most important things is being specific in your ask. You know, Kathy and I, a lot of times will have people saying, hey, I'd love to treat you to lunch and pick your brain or buy you a cup of coffee and pick your brain. It's like, no, sorry, but we, we don't have the time to sit down, you know, and spend an hour just over lunch or something. When someone comes specifically and says, hey, this is what I'm doing. I'm syndicating and I'm working on my due diligence process. Would you be willing to you know, go over that with me and share some ideas? Then, yeah, we just sit down in 15, 20 minutes and go over that and give something specific rather than just the picking the brain type thing, which tend to be like very general beginner questions. Yeah, that specific of ask, it's easy to say no to when it's not specific, but when you know exactly what somebody's looking for, it's easy for you to, to try to decide, hey, can I actually help this person or, or can I not? Totally. So a lot of people are dealing with a lot of uncertainty right now. And depending on when you're listening to this, we could be in the middle of coronavirus related things, or we could be well out of it, but there's Hopefully. probably still going to be some economic issues or challenges that might come up from it. And 
based on knowing your story and, and going through 2008 and having some real big losses and having some real big learnings from that process, I'd be curious if you could share with the audience, what are some of the things from a business standpoint that you look to do right away when you start seeing potential for some kind of issues either in your business or in the economy as a whole? Well, Kathy and I learned a ton going through 2008, you know, starting the business in 2003. And it was just like this last run where you could make stupid money. It was easy to make money back then. And then going through the whole crisis and having lending dry up and all that stuff, we learned to only have cash flowing properties, to not carry too much debt, to not be over leveraged. Those are all, you know, those are all the things that everyone in this industry went down in flames. And when they were over leveraged, they couldn't manage debt. They couldn't keep things running. They didn't have reserves for at least six months to be able to keep things going. And then, so that's what we're running into right now because we learned that lesson and we did build up cash reserves. And because we do, all our properties are cash flowing. We didn't bet on appreciation and, and anything like that. We're in a much better place. So the big lesson for us was that it was learned back in 2008, 2009 and carries forward to today. And you've been applying that for all of these years. So definitely make sure you're not over leveraged. What are the things can people do in their business today to make changes? You know, let's assume that, that they're not over leveraged and, or if they are, that they're going to figure out a way to, you know, remove as much of that leverage as they can. But what else can somebody do in their business to kind of secure themselves for potential of a downturn? I mean, one of the biggest things I think it's like, you know, when we get better, everything around us gets better. So the best thing you can do is work on yourself to grow, to learn, to expand, to learn a new skill, to use this time at home to really hone in on something, you know, get a certification, get your real estate license, get, you know, take something to the next level, really dive in, sign up for a course that's really going to teach you what you need to learn. So I think that's the biggest thing that I would start with is get better and improve. And then as far as, as far as positioning, I mean, you got to learn to dance in the moment with your business. So being responsive, it's like you look at some of these restaurants and they're just, they, they just close down because they're like, oh, we can't do business. And then you have other restaurants who are like, oh, we're going to put our, we're going to come up with cooking classes and we're going to share on video how people can make our same meals at home and they're making money that way. So it's like, dancing in the moment and finding out what you need to do and how you can respond and say, what is it that is unique about us? What skills and education and knowledge do we have that we could share? And maybe you've got to share it in a different way. Mm, that's such a good reminder because sometimes we can get caught up in the day-to-day and the same habits and routines that have that have gotten us where we're at right now, but the world changed. So therefore we need to change with it and be open to be dancing in the moment, as you say. Yeah. And you know, it's like, I love to read business books and I've learned so much from them. And one of them was a Whole Foods story with John Mackey, who was the co-CEO of Whole Foods. And he talked about the downturn and how it was really hitting them hard. And same as the container store, they did the same exact thing. Instead of laying off employees, they just went to their all their employees, their executive leaders, everything, and said, look, if you want to stay with the company, everyone's taking a 20% pay cut. And we're going to reduce everyone's salary by 20%. If you can stay, you can stay. We're not going to let go of anyone. And everyone on their team stayed and weathered the storm. They were able to not lay off a single person and come through on the other side of that. So if you, know, if you have a business with some employees, 
that's an option too. And that's what we would do at Real Wealth if we had to, is we're not going to just, you know, look at where can we just cut people off. But we also don't have any dead wood on our team. You know, we have 27 employees and everyone's just so valuable and so amazing that we wouldn't want anyone to leave. So and that's an option too, if you have employees. Yeah, that's such a good reminder. So you guys have been in the industry for quite a while. It sounds like really making sure that you're in a secure position, preparing for this stuff well in advance. I know both you and Kathy have been talking about, you know, that the market will change at some point in the future for quite a long time. So this is not a surprise, but what are some of the psychological things that people need to keep in mind when they're going through crisis to be able to stay in that centered state of mind and to be able to be a real leader? Like what kind of advice would you give to those people who maybe have some questions on that front? I think for me, it's the two most important things would be having rituals that you stick to no matter what. So for me, it's morning meditation, it's morning yoga and flexibility, and it's a morning kind of a, a ritual as far as just doing 10 burpees, doing 100 crunches, doing 10 push-ups. you know, real simple stuff that's consistent. You know, I do additional workouts and stuff like that on top of that, but it's that bare minimum. It's in the beginning of the day, setting the three most important priorities on what am I going to focus on today? So little things, they seem like little things, but those little things add up to make a huge difference. So that'd be one. And ask me the question again, what was? What could people do right now during a time of crisis to really be able to stay strong no matter what's happening? Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So the second one that's been really big for me is like, knowing that we've been training for this and preparing for it for a long time. We knew, you know, you know, something's going to come, something's going to hit. So it's by growing ourselves, developing ourselves and all that. Then what we get to do is be a role model. So I just love the role model mindset because if you say, okay, how do I want to show up? How do I want to be with my kids? How do I want to be with my family? How do we want to be with the members of Real Wealth Network? So it's stepping up and being a leader and being a model that gets you out of the self-serving, woe is me, I'm worried and everything. When you focus on gratefulness and serving and how can I be better and how, how can I help more people, all those gremlins that come up about, you know, worst case scenarios, they just fade away. Mm. That is such a good reminder, you know, is, is how, how do you want to be a role model to other people? And you can stop thinking just about yourself and start really serving others. Absolutely. Yeah. It makes you a guys huge have, difference. You guys have done a great job of that. So I want to publicly acknowledge how amazing both you and Kathy have been to the community. And thanks for being a role model to all of us. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. So tell me, Rich, how would you define success and what is success to you? Oh, that's a good one. How would I define success? I would say it's really living on purpose. When you're you know, getting clear about what is important to you and what is your purpose. My purpose is super simple. It's to live an awesome life, which sounds self-serving, but an awesome life to me, I've just defined what it means. And it's you know how much I give back. It's the type of business that I want to build. It's how we treat our employees and the culture we have. It's being in great shape. It's having an awesome relationship. And so it's almost like modeling and walking the talk so that's where I put my focus. Like, how can I walk the talk? How can I be a better version of myself? And that inspires and empowers other people to be the best version of themselves. Oh, that's awesome. And based on that definition, do you feel successful? 
Absolutely. Yeah. Very, very successful. Yeah. I'm very grateful to the, the life I've had, the, the people, my wife is amazing. My daughters are just fantastic. You know, our whole network, our business, you know, we've made the Inc. 5,000 three years in a row as America's fastest growing companies. It's like so many things that are, you know, that's a, a, an award in a way, but it's also symbolizes to me something I wanted for many, many, many years. I always looked at that Inc. 5,000 and be like, someday I want to be on that. And then so that when we, when we made that list, it was like, that was a cool breakthrough moment for me. Oh, that's amazing. That's so cool. You guys definitely earned it. And so tell us, what are some of the keystone habits, the things you do on a daily or weekly basis that have led to some of your success? You know, I think one of the biggest ones is I have my own coach and I have for years, you know, probably since, since 1996, I started with my first professional coach. I've had probably six or seven coaches over the years, you know, just shifting sometimes like that little inner voice kind of figures out a coach and knows how to side slip and get slippery, you know, so then I'll hire a new coach who can kind of call me on my bullshit <laughs> and all that. So having a coach is great. Every single Monday morning, I fill out what I call my self-coaching form. And it has, what are my top three most important things that I need to handle that week and want to handle that week that are going to move me toward my goals? So I get really clear. I set my big three goals for the year. And we do this as a company as well. What are the big three goals for the year? Every quarter we say, okay, what are the big three goals for this quarter? Looking at those three goals for the year and what are we going to do for each of those this quarter? Every month we break it down that way and I do the same with my personal goals. Every week on that Monday morning and I fill out that self-coaching form and that's one of them, you know, so that, that works right. And then every morning, like I said, I said, what are my big three for the day? So that whole using the rule of three is because the human mind can really effectively only hold on to three main thoughts at a time. Anything more than that, it starts to get confused and you forget things and everything. But having that big three is like, if I woke you up in the middle of the night and say, hey, Stephen, what are the three most important things to you? You could wake up out of a stupor and just go, oh, this, this, and this. And so you know, and it's clear. And what that does is it activates that particular activating system in our brains that's always looking for opportunities. It's like a filter and it's looking for opportunities. So if you know what those big three goals are in your brain, your antennas are extended. So you're always looking for people and opportunities and resources that will help you accomplish those goals. So I think that's a really helpful one. That is a really powerful strategy because when you're really clear on what you want, you can actually start seeing when it's right in front of you and start yeah. taking advantage of that right then and there. Yeah, and That's get very awesome. clear and specific on it. Keep it simple. <laughs> simple is good. So we've made it to the growth rapid fire round where the questions are quick, but your answers don't need to be. So tell us what's a book that's in impact your life the most or one you're excited about right now. Can I give you two? Yes, please. <laughs> okay, because uh, I want to give you a personal and professional. So professional one that's been really helpful for us is Traction, which you've probably heard. Traction and the whole EOS entrepreneurial operating system. Read that about three and a half years ago and we started implementing that about three and a half years ago. And now we run our whole business on the EOS model. It's really, it just boils down all these amazing business books all into one concise system with the same language. So Traction's a great book. And then personally, man, there's a few that are really big, but The Way of the Superior Man by David Data is really good. Just about just really being a solid superior man, as he calls it, where you're coming from a place of love, but you're also in your relationship. You're staying true to your purpose. You're keeping that masculine energy. And it's just one, it's super attractive to women. <laughs> and, you know, two, it's just, it's all about, you know, being on purpose and being focused and, again, being the best version of yourself. Oh, that's wonderful. Thanks for sharing that with us.
So from an inspiration standpoint, what impacts have mentors made in your life and how would you recommend others go about finding mentors? Well, my early mentors were, didn't know they were my mentors. You know, it was Brian Tracy and Zig Ziglar and Tony Robbins and Les Brown. And, you know, back in the day, just listening to audio cassettes over and over and over. So a lot of mentorship through, through those leaders. And, and then later in life, it shifted into, I couldn't really find a mentor who kind of had it all, you know, who's, I'd find someone who was very successful in business. But then behind the curtain, I'd find out not great in relationships or something or, or something like that, or not great in health. And so it, like, it's almost like you have to assemble a team of mentors who specialize in the area of, that you really want. So I think that's one way to do it. But honestly, I think the most powerful mentors to me, in a sense, have been my coaches. And because they haven't told me what to do, the best coaches draw it out. So I've had coaches who just ask me the right, real powerful questions. They know how to coach and they've drawn out the best from me and finding a way to do it, seeing me as creative and resourceful and that I can find the answer somewhere. So I'll read an amazing business book and highlight the biggest ideas from that. And I'll bring that to my coaching session and my coach will say, okay, so what, what are you going to do with those ideas? How can you implement? How can you put this into action? So in a sense, it's like, I just think it's amazing. You can get a, a 10 or a $20 book and it has someone's, you know, it has thousands and thousands or hundreds of thousands of dollars worth of advice on business in there that someone's put into in this little $20 book, you know? So, so it's implementing those lessons. Oh, so true. So true. That's amazing. And finally, purpose, what drives you to live your best life every day? Let me think about that for a second. What drives me to live my best life every day? I mean, I, I did say it, it's definitely my purpose. You know, I got clear on that probably about seven or eight years ago, just living that awesome life. It's like, yeah, there's something about setting lifetime goals. I would say when I got really clear on not just what are my goals for this year or this next three years or something like that. It's when I thought about, you know, I want to live to 108. I got very clear on that. And I said, okay, so on that 100th birthday, what does my life look like? What, what will I have accomplished? You know, I'll be surfing with my great-grandchildren. And so it means I want to be in the best shape I can and stay healthy and everything. I want to have a conscious capitalism company that I've built. And now I'm just on, on the board of it. And so I own the company, and, but I'm not running it. So just getting clear on those lifetime goals has really inspired me, you know, to, to be on it like that. Oh, that's amazing. Well, there's so much great inspiration here, Rich, and thanks for being such a great mentor from afar to so many people, including myself. And so I'm really grateful to have you here. Where can people find out more about you or get in touch? Uh, it's our website, simple, realwealth.com, realwealth.com. Real wealth is, we see it as having, you know, real wealth is not just making tons of money. That's a great thing. We definitely support that. But we see real wealth is when you have the money, but also the freedom to live life on your own terms. So that's what we're all about. I love that. That is beautiful. Well, thank you so much. And I'll leave everybody the same way I always leave you guys. Remember to go and live a life worth inspiring others. And you can do so today by applying some of what you learned from Rich in your own lives and your businesses. So thanks so much. We'll see you on the next one. Thank you for listening to the Investor Mindset Podcast. If you like what you heard, make sure to rate, review, subscribe, and share it with a friend. Head over to theinvestormindset.com to join the Insider Club where we share tools and strategies from the top investors and entrepreneurs on how to take it to the next level.